There's the reality of the ultimate sacrifice. It's so close to home. At our house, he is the What's up, everybody? Welcome to That VoiceOver Podcast, the show for and about the voiceover profession. I'm Stephen Cox. Today on the show, we're very excited to welcome Mr. Joe O'Brien. He's a voiceover agent in the promo department at Paradigm in New York. He's been at Paradigm for over six years and has booked talent, including myself, on some very high-profile gigs on networks across the dial, so the man knows his stuff. And I'm proud to call him one of my agents. Uh, Joe O'Brien, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Stefan. I, I appreciate the uh, lofty welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, you, you, you live up to it. So tell us a little bit about how you got started uh, as a voiceover agent. Um, when I first moved to New York, I just applied randomly to jobs online. And uh, this agency, Paradigm, was hiring for a voiceover assistant. And I didn't, I had no idea what it was. I didn't really know anything about it. I had majored in marketing uh, and I had a little bit of a ba uh, background in acting. So I knew something about it and I, I knew a little bit about sales and marketing. And I was like, oh, this might, this might work. Uh, however, I, I didn't have the image of what, I didn't have the image of an agency in my mind. I kind of had the image of like, I don't know, following an agent around like to stand up com comedy shows or something like looking for people with good voices like scouting <laughs> you know it's like what I thought it was all about but then when I got there I realized that you know it's a rather large office and uh, already up and running with plenty of clients and the job was really more managing the careers of voiceover talent rather than just <laughs> out on the street scouting people for good voices. <laughs> would that it happened that way. I think there are a lot of people out there who would love to break into the industry that way. Uh, certainly the kinds of people who often think, hey, I have a great voice. I'd love to get into voiceover. Uh, sometimes fantasize, I think, hey, wouldn't it be great if somebody actually just heard my voice? But unfortunately, as we both know, the process is a lot more involved than that. So Yes, I have to agree. Yeah. So what was your learning curve like? How long did you stay an assistant before you were made a, a full agent there? I was an assistant for three years, I guess two and a half technically. I, I spent half a year as a junior agent and then uh, I was promoted to a full agent when my boss left the company and so I essentially took her position and uh, yeah, that was it. And And the learning curve was, I'd say it was about six months before I understood the basics of the industry and the... Uh, what people look for in VO, what booked in my area, which is, by the way, promos and narrations. I don't know if we mentioned that, but that, that's yeah. my focus. So it took about six months working in the booth with talent to understand that and to get more comfortable directing professional actors and tell them when I thought they were a little off. You know, uh, it takes a little while to get up the... Um, the confidence to do that kind of thing. So, <laughs> we're, an, we're an intimidating bunch, my friend. Yeah, yeah. And, and very, in a lot of cases, self-assured, which is a good thing, you know, especially in voiceover. You have to be very confident, but you also have to know when to uh, be able to vacillate and, and uh, succumb to any sort of direction that an individual producer wants to hear from you. But I, uh, I learned that after about six months, and then it really did take me the full time uh, to to feel confident stepping into the role of an agent and negotiating and signing talent and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, even as I started, it was 
there was a new learning curve, you know, to being a full up agent. It, it takes a while to experience all the different ins and outs that can happen in this job. It's it's rather complicated. Well, walk us through a typical day. Uh, I know that most agents spend a great deal of time on the phone uh, with buyers and clients and things like that. So how does your day generally go as a promo voiceover agent? Um, well, my day usually starts with managing bookings uh, in in the morning. Usually, it's it's just kind of making sure that last minute confirmations are in line, making sure people are where they need to be. Um, then it's I spend the bulk of the day either on the phone, like you said, with buyers, whether that be scheduling new auditions, whether that be just reaching out and connecting with people I haven't heard from in a little while, uh, or sending out emails to, uh, you know, uh, advertise clients and maybe uh, when we re-up a demo and change some things around, just sending that around and letting people know, hey, uh, look, this guy or this girl have changed a little bit about what they're doing and they've expanded their experience a little bit and maybe you'll reconsider whatever. Then it's, uh, depending on how busy we are, I jump in the booth a lot in the middle of the day if, if necessary. Uh, jump in the booth, do some directing, do some auditions. Then mid to the end of the day is zipping things up and, and sending out breakdowns, you know, sending out the auditions to the producers and various casting directors or what have you. And then it starts over again by starting on the fresh breakdowns later in the afternoon to call out the, the next day's auditions. Um, that, I guess that's pretty much the typical day. I, I spend a decent amount of it on the phone, uh, more of it these days on email, and then uh, the rest I spend in the booth. Right. And you and I have worked together in the booth uh, quite a bit. And I can tell you from an actor's standpoint that it's much appreciated when an agent actually takes the time to get in the booth with a talent because you've talked directly to the client and you know precisely what the client has asked for. And so I think it's a, a very, very helpful thing when you actually can climb in there with us and kind of take us along the path. Yeah, I think that it's a advantage that I have in in being in promos and narrations, it there is no middleman between me and the actual person booking the job. I mean, it, obviously, in some cases there are. In some cases, they are looking to hire, uh, or they're they're looking to cast, and they call me. But it's actually their boss or their boss's boss, or sure. you know, some high level executives that are making the end decision. But for the simple day to day stuff, a lot of times I'm talking directly to the person that's going to book the job. And in a lot of cases, they are very passionate about what they want and they are very creative people and they try to get you on the same wavelength as them. And I really enjoy it. I'm a creative person by nature and I like to work with people through their ideas and see their vision and try to match it. So it's almost exciting for me to be on a phone call where I'm like, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I think I have a few people that could really nail that. And if it's something I think is really complicated and it's maybe where I think an actor can go, but hasn't gone before, at least from my perspective of what they've done, then I want to jump in the booth with them, you know, and try to blaze that, that new trail. One of the strategies that uh, you can use as a voice actor, although it's sort of a nebulous one, is to try to get inside the head of the person who's written the copy. Because nine times out of ten, and I've talked to people who uh, cast directly, and they say, you know, if I hear a person who's interpreting copy the way that I heard it in my mind when I was writing it, uh, I'll go with that person generally. And it sounds like you're a liaison in that way to try and get that out of the actor. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And sometimes I'm even a liaison uh, for the producer for their own idea. Like sometimes they are a little eccentric, you know, and they <laughs> they believe that something is right. And I know from experience that that will never air. You know, I'm like, that's never going to air. <laughs> How on do you talk them down from that? Uh, you can't. It's mainly mm-hmm. a matter of giving them, like, getting a talent to that perfect middle ground where they feel like what they wanted is satisfied, but what you really know is they they've made a compromise without them even realizing it, if that makes sense. Sure. Because uh, you can't get too eccentric with this stuff. I mean, you want to be creative and you want to be different, but when it comes to promo, when it comes to narration, there's there's a certain formula that works and that fits. Talk about that a little bit. What, in your opinion, makes for good promo? And then we'll talk about narration in a second, but talk about promo first. What What do you listen for in a good promo? Certainly confidence, I think, is the overwhelming number one factor that has to stand out because promo, more than anything, I think is is truly hard sell and is very, you get a very short amount of time to convince people to do something and you don't have the benefits of a brand so let's say that already speaks for itself you also don't have the benefits of a campaign usually where there is an ongoing four months image that is created by spots that drives through the message you really have to get the message in understood and acted upon in 15 seconds. You have to get someone to sit there and for the first time never know uh, anything about this show and in 15 seconds you have to make them want to watch that show and rearrange their schedule or if they have DVR set just the TiVo, hit a sure. button yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to do what it takes to watch that show. And so I look for a strong, confident read. It's It's hard to explain without say examples like if we were to go through reels i would say here's where i hear a lack of confidence or or a weakness in the person's read a lot of times if you're talking uh, aesthetically it's a, a a weakness at the end of lines is where i find it the most is mm. it, where people slightly swallow the end of their last word or the last syllable or they go down too much at the end and it it ends up making the spot sound so regular and like you're on the phone with somebody like you're just talking and I I understand the idea of we want people that are just talking we want conversational but it's not there is a middle ground that you have to hit there's technique involved yeah there's a lot of technique there is a lot of experience that goes into a solid promo read Uh, people don't just pick up promo and just book it out of the blue, you know, unless it, it might be some sort of one-off spot with some kind of different sound that they're looking for and this person's personality fits it perfectly. In that case, it takes on more of the persona of a commercial. But in career promo, it's it's a learned skill and it is very different than the commercial read. So yeah. I, I'd say confidence, uh, clarity. Um, these days especially, there needs to be an edge to it. There's just a sense of uh, of confidence and knowledge that surpasses the viewer. You know that that you know more than they do about what you're talking about, and they need to listen to you to to watch this thing. And sometimes it comes out in the form of like, "Are you really not going to watch this? That's ridiculous." 
Yes, you know. Now let's shift gears and talk about narration because that's another area that you do a lot of representation in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly you're looking for a storyteller, but there's a great deal of nuance. So talk about that some. Narration, I think, is is harder in a lot of ways. It's it's very subtle. It's hard for me to sometimes really pinpoint what a producer is looking for in narration because my my uh, abilities of prediction in narration are not as sharp as, as promo. It, it's just shocking to me sometimes what people uh, eventually want to book, and and sometimes you know I'm dead on, but it, it goes either way. In narration, it's there is a, a everyone wants conversational. You have to be conversational and real these days. Nobody wants that uh, classic, like nat- natural history read. I call sure. it. Um, there are, of course, times that that direction comes out and that direction fits perfectly. And there are those uh, VO talent out there that uh, are perfect for that, and and book work on it. However, what I the most of what I see these days is almost all we want conversational, we want real, we want someone that isn't talking down to the viewer. We want someone who is bringing them the story and is gen, genuinely interested in it, is genu- genuinely emotionally involved with it. Uh, I've also seen a shift to a younger announcer in narration. Uh, the the announcers that are in their 30s and 40s are booking a lot of narrations these days, which wasn't really the case, I would guess. Well, I think a lot ago. of that has to do with the fact that the programming is getting sort of edgier and younger. I mean, one of the clients that uh, that you work with uh, is True TV, and their stuff is pretty darn edgy, and so it would make sense that they'd be looking for somebody a little bit younger. Exactly, and a lot of their stuff has a, that twinge of dark humor to it. You know, right. and, and they want to bring that out in their narrations. So there is a, a wide spectrum in narration of what works. Sometimes you need that booming voice of God, classic, uh, you know, power narrator that just gives everything such an epic sense of importance. And then other times you need the younger guy next door uh, or, or soccer mom that just feels like. Uh, he or she is right on the same level as the viewer and is just as interested in finding out the material at the same time that the viewer is. Uh, Overall, though, narration is about pace. It's about timing, in my opinion. The ones that really stand out are the the artists that can move between, uh, that that can change their, their rate within sentences effectively and and still give the overall pace of the show the correct feel. So sometimes you need to speed up and sometimes you need to slow down for effect. And those waves of pace happen so often and change so much in a narration, whereas in a commercial spot, there's going to be very small changes within the spot, but there's only going to be a couple. Obviously, you only have 30 seconds or 60 seconds for a radio spot in a narration you have an hour you have an hour or 42 minutes or whatever of of material where you have to keep the viewer interested and in order to do that you cannot maintain the same pace the entire time there has to be a change somewhere there are parts where you need to get excited so that uh, or, or are there are some parts where you have to maintain a more low-key conversational tone so that there are parts where your excitement 
shines through and you can see the difference and therefore the meaning within the show or within the narration becomes clearer. You get approached, I'm sure, as much as anybody, probably more so in this business, being that you're an agent, uh, for people who are interested in getting involved in voiceover. Uh, what sort of advice do you give people when they when they come to you and approach you? Generally, I tell them to be confident in themselves. I tell them that they have to make sure that they are not trying to be something that they're not. They have to be very aware of what their voice sounds like truly and what it's capable of. They also have to be very conscious of trends. So they need to, when when radio commercials come on, when television commercials come on, they, they can't fast forward through those on their TiVo <laughs> or their DVR. They need to watch them. Yeah. When, when promos come up, you need to watch every single promo on every channel that you are watching a show on because after a while, you'll start to see the the matrix you know you'll start to see the formula that they're all kind of the same in, in, in a way and it's important to pinpoint the things that are common throughout uh, and then uh, from a technical like industry standpoint I'll tell them that they need to get those those formulas in their head then they need to to watch those spots and they need to write down what they like the the copy they need to copy it from the air write it down and they need to work it in their home over and over and over and over and they need to try to sound it a, a couple different ways they need to say oh, what if i did it a little faster what if i did it a little slower and and then even to the precision of i want to do this one half second faster or one half second slower like doing all of those things to to prep yourself and then take a class get a demo and start sending demos to agents. That's that's typically the the path that I tell people to take. And and the most important thing I think is the practice. It's the doing something over and over and over and over because you're never going to get comfortable going into an agency and standing in a booth at a microphone and auditioning for an agent for the first time. It's it's going to be really hard because any kind of nerves are incredibly amplified on a studio microphone. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> we, can, we can hear it in a second. We can hear the quavering in your voice. We can hear the shortness in your breath. It just, it's amplified. So the best way to do it is to practice through and through and through and through and through so that you at least buy yourself a little bit extra confidence when you go in there. Of course, we understand nervousness. We don't, you know, people get nervous. We're not like, they could never make it in this business and kick them out. Like it's not, it's not like that. But you put yourself in a position to be much more uh, valuable to an agent if that agent feels like you are working very hard off mic at your art. You've spoken at uh, casting facilities, places that uh, that teach voiceover, um, and uh, do, do you find that a, a valuable experience? Have you met anybody uh, at one of those seminars that you thought, well, that person really has possibility and maybe even gone on to sign them? Oh, certainly. Yeah, that has happened. That's, that's typically how it happens. It is not the way that I thought it was when I signed up. I don't ride around in a, in a van to uh, comedy shows and, and plays <laughs> and off-off-Broadway trying to listen for a husky, <laughs> sexy voice. I just uh, I usually go to these VO classes, and that's how I meet people. Now, a lot of people want to promote themselves in, in this 
era of uh, internet promotion and social marketing, uh, there's a lot that you can do. But in your opinion, how much is too much? That's a hard question to answer. It really is because ultimately, if you are, if you are um, pushy, right? So say say you continually send materials to an agent, you continually send postcards with updates. You continually send emails with an MP3 attached if you did a new spot or if you updated your demo or even if it's just the same demo but you didn't hear back from the agent and you want to send it again three months later, two months later, whatever the case may be. I I really don't fault people for that and I would never say I was going to work with this person but now I won't because they sent me stuff so many times. Mm. If that makes sense, it just doesn't make any logical sense to me. To me, if someone is bringing something interesting to me and is has a lot of talent and I want to meet them, then I'm going to meet with them no matter how many times it takes them to to send it to me, you know? And who knows if that that one more time that they send it might be the one different say they did some medical industrial or something and it was something new and they were excited about it and so they sent it to me and they feel kind of awkward about it am i going to be annoyed no i'm not going to be annoyed it's it's an email i can just delete it like it's not it's not so <laughs> hard to to receive you know things from actors it really isn't i don't get people that get all up in a huff about it but i i personally just uh i i give everything its fair shot and if uh, if I'm interested, then I will absolutely get back to somebody. And sometimes it does take a couple times before that that interest sort of percolates and and stands out. Uh, and other times I have done freelance stuff with people who have dropped off my radar. It it, it happens, you know. I don't remember everyone all the time, and and I get tied up in my day to day and the uh, clients that uh, my sign clients that I'm working with all the time. And then all of a sudden, I'll just forget somebody. I'll just completely forget them. And then they'll send me something, and I'll remember. Oh, I totally forgot about that person. And I really like them, and I I need to to get them out more. So it it really is a a matter of top of mind awareness a lot of times, and I don't. I never fault people, and sometimes I think as an actor, you have to promote yourself. You have to if you want to push through and get that get that agent to put you on their lists, you know? Right. Now, you spend your own time behind the mic uh, on your podcast called uh, metagametheory.com. We'll provide a link for it here on the site. Uh, you have a good voice. Have you ever thought about doing voiceover yourself? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I, I have thought about it, definitely, because over the years, you, you do so much of it that you start to think, hey, I could do this. But uh, ultimately, uh, you you represent, you know, the kind of talent that I work with at Paradigm and you're phenomenal. And I just oh, thank you. can't, I really am, I don't feel like I'm in that league and I, you know, it's not something that it bothers me. I, I just have worked with so many incredible people. I, I've worked with so many talents that uh, just blow me away. And some people who I have been listening to since I was a kid, you know, and not that I knew them when I was a kid. It wasn't until I met them that I was like, I know your voice. You know the oh voices. Sure. We grow up with them. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And to to think that I could be in a league with those people. Now, it's just a matter of being on the inside and seeing the true business, uh, the way it works and seeing the the uh, caliber of the talent that is out there in voiceover, it's just not something that I believe that I can compete in. And I don't 
you know, I, I'm also not a professional basketball player. So <laughs> there's certain things that you're just not uh, cut out for in in the grand scheme of things. And I think you need to find it's very important to me to find something that you're good at and really, really stick to it. Something that you can excel at uh, in comp again in competition, you know, and I feel like in this competition, <laughs> I don't think I'd stand up. Well, you're a damn fine promo voiceover agent, and uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on that voiceover podcast. Thanks so much, Steph, and I appreciate it, man. That voiceover podcast is a co-production of Half Full and Get Creative, Inc. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Cox.